I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Heat, index, humidity, and dew point. Factors to look at when you are adjusting your paces for training this summer. It is hot outside. It is that time of year again where the heat, humidity, dew point, and the sun are really starting to drag us down and affect our training. We wanted to do a podcast chatting about this weather change and what it means for all of us with our training. We should all be adjusting our paces in this heat. Anytime we're running over 65 degrees, the heat will impact our training. And I know for a lot of listeners, you're thinking 65 degrees, that sounds like ideal running temperatures because a lot of our listeners are dealing with temperatures 80 plus degrees in the morning when they first wake up. There are a lot of temperature conversion calculators out there created specifically for this topic. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's not the heat, it's the humidity? Well, we're going to be chatting specifically about the humidity and dew point factors and how those make a difference. Because oftentimes you can look at the weather and see, oh, you know, 75 degrees today, that's not so bad. And you head out there and it feels a lot harder than a different 75 degree day. And that's usually because the humidity is a big factor here and the dew point also. So running in like 90% humidity at 75 degrees is a totally different beast than running in 75 degrees when the humidity is at like 50%. The humidity is what is going to make things feel a lot harder and it's going to be a lot harder to get the oxygen you need and we all know that running is an aerobic sport so it's very important to be making adjustments especially for that humidity factor and taking in the humidity just into account on your day-to-day training and looking at that on your weather app instead of always focusing on what the temperature is. I have with me today Jason Philippi, who has been running for over 20 years and he's been coaching for the last decade. He has experience at the high school, middle school, and college, cross country and track level. And ever since 2013, he has been working with adult runners, training for marathons, half marathons, and even the shorter distance races at the adult level, just competitive recreational road athletes. Um, He himself has qualified for Boston several times and has a marathon PR of 246, which is ran at the Chicago Marathon. And so 
all of these fall marathons like Chicago Marathon, Twinsies Marathon, um, and even this year, the Boston Marathon, uh, they are happening in the fall, right? So there's a lot of fall marathons and fall races. And in order to execute at these fall races, we really have to be able to train in the summer. And I know for, you know, Chicago Marathon, that's an early October race. We're talking the first or second weekend of October usually. That means the peak training for that race is actually going to be done, you know, in August or early September, which is a very, very hot time of year. And, you know, they say that fall doesn't actually even start until end of September, you know, like September 22nd um, on the equinox. So bulk of training is done during the summer. So Jason, as someone who has their um, marathon PR set in a time where you had to train in the heat of the summer, kind of take me back to that training cycle and what are some of the things that you embraced during that time? And what are just some words of wisdom for people who are just suffering right now in the heat and they just feel like they can't do it and that, you know, their fall race is just going to be a bust? Yeah, definitely. And um, thinking back to Chicago that year, I think on race day, the temperature was in the low 30s. And so, you know, quite the drastic change from um, the bulk of my training and my long runs. Um, you know, and, and being up in Minnesota, it would, the temp, temperature would start to cool off probably around September 1st. So we did have about a month there where it was like a somewhat of a, a gradual drop off. But, um, it, you know, in July and August, it, it was still really hot. And up here, the, it's really humid in the mornings. And so no matter what time you get out the door for your long runs, um, you're dealing with, um, you know, high dew points or high humidity um, percentages, probably in the 80 to 90% range. And so, um, you know, there's, there's no way you can, you can win really. And, and I know that sometimes, um, when you finish those runs, they feel so daunting and that can just kill our confidence. Um, but it turned out that that day I had a great race and, um, I've learned over the years that by training in those, you know, those conditions all summer, it's sort of like training up at altitude and then you come back down to elevation. And, you know, so if you get that opportunity to run a race where the temperatures are a little bit cooler, um, your body's going to be able to capitalize and you're going to be able to maximize your performance as a result. Yeah, that's really good advice. Just understanding that, you know, you are going to have to adjust your paces in the summer and that's how things go, right? I think too often athletes go out there, you know, the temperatures are rising, but they're just gun set on I want to see the same paces I was hitting earlier this spring. I want to hit the same paces that I hit, you know, in 50 degrees and 40 degrees and 60 degrees when it's full sun, 75 degrees and 90% humidity. And the fact of the matter is if you go out there trying to, you know, hit certain paces and not adjust and like lower that ego, um, you're going to actually burn out because you're going to be, you're going to end up racing workouts because when you don't adjust for the temperature variables, you're making yourself perform at an even harder effort. So it's really important to keep in mind effort um, on these hot days. The heat affects some people more than others, right? And I think just knowing yourself as an athlete and how the summer impacts you um, physically, but also mentally. Um, I know Jason, he has ran a marathon PR at the Chicago Marathon. And we have coached so many athletes that have, you know, trained in Texas or Oklahoma, those sort of uh, hot, um, 
summers and then they go to Chicago or to another race in early October and they totally crush it, set a PR. Um, there are other people and you know, I am one of those people who I just do not like to do my peak marathon training in the summer. Um, the heat doesn't really affect me in a way where it's like so terrible, but I just prefer to marathon train in the fall or in the early spring. And if you look at my best historical performance times in the marathon, I've broken 323 times and each time the training cycle um, the peak three months were either in the fall or in the spring. And that's just because I enjoy training in 40 degrees, in 50 degrees. And if someone were to say, hey, you got to do like a 20 mile long run, I want to be able to do that in, you know, 50 degrees. And it's not to say that you can't, you know, do that in the summer or I can't do that in the summer. It's like, that's just when I prefer to do my marathon training cycle. And so I think this kind of goes back to the whole understanding what you're signing up for, right? So the Chicago marathon, it only ever happens in October. So everyone training for the Chicago marathon is going to have to do their 20 milers in hot weather. I mean, that's just how it goes, or they're going to do the bulk of their training in the summer. Um, and then your recovery is going to take place in the fall, right? So you have to kind of understand these things going into it and just accept that as, um, kind of part of the process, right? So if you're someone who doesn't really want to be marathon training in the summer and you're just starting to second guess or question, like, is this for me? I really want to actually be doing my long runs more in the fall. I would say, Hey, it's not too late to maybe change things up. I mean, I know it's the Chicago marathon, so no one really wants to defer that one. But if you sign up for a local race, or if you just still are a little unsure, I would say, hey, let's see if we can find a race in November, December, January, and target that. I mean, even something in early February, um, those can just be different options, and it gives you a chance to focus more on shorter distance stuff and all that in the summer. And then you can spend uh, the bulk of your marathon training, like those longer long runs and stuff in the fall. And so instead of taking time off in the fall, um, you can go ahead and start your marathon training cycle in the ideal weather, right? So Jason, tell me a little bit about how you decide um, the marathons that you train for. Are you someone that likes to do fall marathons because you like training in the summer or is it just kind of lifestyle related? What are the factors that you look for when you say, hey, I'm signing up for this marathon. I want to train in the summer. Yeah, I think a lot of um, factors play into it, obviously, destination or, or race itself, you know, which races I want to do. Because um, we've picked we've picked races all around, you know, the, the U.S. and they've happened at various parts of the calendar year, right? We've done We've done the fall races. We've done the late fall races in CIM in Vegas. We've done the winter races like in Disney the spring races in Boston. Um, you've done your fair share of summer races. I really haven't yet. Um, but I, I think for me, it's just about finding the race I want to do. Um, you know, and I picked Chicago because I had done Twin Cities the first time. And so the second time around, I just wanted a little bit faster course. And I really liked the fall um, for running a race just because there's something about, um, you know, that crisp air and the temperature change and the leaves and all of that. So I, I chose a fall and, um, you know, at some point I do want to do a spring marathon just to f see what it's like. Um, again, I know I did Boston a few years back, but it's been, gosh, like five plus years now. So um, I think, you know, thinking back to when I would train in the summer for the fall races, I wouldn't really worry so much about like my pace. Back then I didn't even have a Garmin. So I probably didn't even know what pace I was averaging. I would really just go off a of feel every day. And so, um, 
you know, I do a lot of like later in the day runs too. So a lot of times, yeah, the temperature might be a little warmer, but the humidity had kind of fallen by then. So, um, you know, and you get shaded spots. So there, it wasn't so bad. And I think, um, you know, now it's a different day and age with Garmin and everything. People, they, they get so worried about paces and, you know, trying to hit certain, certain paces. So I think, um, for me, that was, that had never been an issue. Um, so I think, um, now looking ahead, you know, I'd probably just, uh, give myself that 30 second plus, um, you know, window of time to be, you know, running slower paces, that sort of thing. Yeah, I do think it's really interesting how you commented on, you know, you didn't really worry about pace back then. And I know when you ran the Chicago Marathon, ran your PR 246, it was a negative split and you didn't have a Garmin. So you didn't really know what paces you were running, right? So a lot of it was like effort based. And I'm sure your training was very similar to that as well. And now in this day and age, things are just so different. And I know, you know, every run you do uploads to Strava, people can follow your training like a hawk. Um, you know, I'm someone who shares a lot of my training on social media and I've been doing that since probably 2014. So I'm really used to, you know, what people are going to see, what they're thinking. And sometimes you just get these really strange direct messages and you're like, are really, are people really paying this much attention to my training and my paces? And and that's a thing. And, and I know that, I mean, that's a real concern that people have is that if your training is out there on the internet for people to see, people are w- watching you. And I know that kind of sounds creepy, but it does affect some people. And so, you know, if you're someone who you feel this impact or this effect, I would recommend just turning your Strava on like private mode. Um, I have it set up. So any run that uploads, it automatically is private, only viewable by me. And then if I decide, if I so choose, I can, you know, then share that publicly, um, which I usually do, but there's a time and a place, you know, sometimes it's better to just keep them private, see how that feels for a week. And if that's making you feel better, then that's good. Cause there's definitely that whole aspect of, um, you know, that peer pressure competition. And I think even when you're in a group setting, um, when you're with other people, you have that pressure on you to, run faster than you should. And I don't know, Jason, is that something that you can relate to? Have you ever been in a group setting? I know some of your friends from college, you guys used to run together. Maybe you weren't necessarily as affected by this, but were there other people in the group that maybe were a little bit slower than you who would like purposely try to pick up the pace or like try to beat you in workouts or or those sort of things where... Um, it turns into like almost a, not a good competition. Like there's that good friendly competition where it brings out the best in people. And then there's like that competition where people are overreaching and then like becoming burned out. Is that something that you've seen even in like a group setting? Um, yeah, definitely. You know, oftentimes people will, uh, either push the pace in easy runs or, um, they'll just try to f- focus on higher mileage. And so back then, we you know, we didn't have Garmin and Strava to look at, but people did share running logs. And so you could see like weekly totals for all your teammates. And so I think that's where some people tried to, um, you know, do more than maybe what they even wanted to just to kind of try to please others. And, and um, so I think now, you know, more so in a, in a social setting, you would see a lot of the same things. And so back when I worked at... Um, a local, you know, running group here in, in Minnesota, we had, um, a lot of our long runs for training were on the weekends. And so people would, you know, they'd want to run faster than their easy pace for the long run, just because, um, they want to run with a group. And so I think when you're doing that, especially in warmer conditions, I mean, you're setting yourself up for, um, either burnout or just really not getting the same, uh, aerobic benefits that you're going to be getting if you're slowing down. 
Yeah, what I find really difficult about the heat in the summer specifically, you know, kind of staying on topic here, is that you are able to race workouts like more unintentionally. I feel like, you know, if you go to a group, you see the paces, hey, you know, you're supposed to run 5K pace for 800 meter repeats, and that's the prescribed workout. You have people around you, it's like, yeah, I know I'm faster than this person, and I'm slower than this person, so I'm going to be right in between them. And then you go and you see people are like hammering this workout, right? There's that peer pressure of like, whoa, like, you know, it's it's 75 degrees out. I think I'm going to hold back a little bit because my paces are going to be affected by this heat. But then you see all these other people who, you know their paces in relation to their to yours, and then they're just like hammering it. They're they're beating you on every rep, and you're trying to stay in control. You're trying to train at that eighty percent so that you can race at a hundred percent. But these people are out there doing a hundred percent on their workouts, and that sort of like pressure I think can be really difficult. So you know the group runs can be good for if you're training at the right paces, but I think oftentimes. You can get a lot of control there. And that's where Strava comes into play. It's a a very similar thing. So let's say you're following a couple of people who are similar paces to you, or maybe you just kind of know their ability levels and you both run at 8 a.m. this morning, you both had a similar workout and you see that they're running super fast, like they're racing their workouts. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, should I be going that fast? Like, why is it not affecting them? Like it's affecting me. So you just have to understand that the heat affects everyone differently, first of all. And second of all, not everyone is training appropriately in this heat. Some people are burning themselves out right now. And you don't want to be comparing yourself to someone who's sitting out there racing their workouts. Because what happens when you race your workouts is that on race day, you're going to be extremely disappointed. You're going to think you're fitter than you actually are. And you're probably going to be burnt out because you spent the entire summer raising workouts, right? So you want to be making sure that you're putting an 80% effort on your workouts, not 100. And that means slowing down those runs. And I think one of the biggest common themes that we hear this time of year, especially it happens every single year without a doubt, people start emailing and like, April, May, whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm losing fitness. You know, I'm I'm out of shape. And we're like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, it was hot and I just couldn't hit my paces. And, and it's almost like people think this is a new problem or like a unique problem to them because a lot of people aren't really talking about it. Um, and it's, I think it's just like a hard pill to swallow. So Jason, you've been coaching for a long time. Do you always get these emails? And like, what is kind of your response when, you hear athletes and they legitimately think that they're, you know, losing fitness because it's getting hot out. Yeah. I mean, I see that on occasion. I see a lot of comments on, on runs on no matter if it's an easy run or a workout, just about how the heat or humidity made it very difficult. Um, and some athletes, yeah, they do. Most athletes are pretty good about understanding, you know, the fact that they may not hit the same paces in those, in those conditions, but some athletes, they really like get bummed out and they'll, they'll uh, mention that in their, in their comments. And so I think, um, it comes with just with experience and understanding, like, um, you know, throughout the seasons, uh, um, the weather is going to affect your training and the more experience you get in running in those conditions, um, not only are you more aware of how the pace might affect you, but your body's becoming a little bit more used to it, more efficient. I think the fitter you are, the less, um, you're going to have to worry about the heat maybe affecting you. Um, but yeah, I would say that, um, the key is really just to think about the effort and instead of worrying so much about, um, you know, the, the pace, like you said, you should be running your workouts at 80% effort. And, and that's why I'll, I might give, um, 
you know, some pace ranges for, for certain workouts, especially in the summer, just because I know like, you know, you don't know how one day it could be, it could feel pretty good down in Florida if the humidity is really low. And then the next day it could be like miserable again. So, um, and then that can, that can lead the athlete to feel, you know, a lot better. And so maybe they, they dig a lot deeper in that workout the one day and then the next one it's awful. So you want to try to prevent those, um, those roller coasters, I guess, of um, highs and lows. Yeah, this brings up a really good point. We're talking about adjusting for the temperature, right? And we have athletes all over the place, right? We have athletes in Miami. We have athletes in like Maryland and Texas and Minnesota, you know, Wisconsin, everywhere in the U.S. And the weather is just going to change so much. And I know even for our own training, like I'll go to bed. I look at the weather before I go to bed and I'm like, okay, got my workout tomorrow. It's going to be cooler. You know, you see the temperature and you're kind of adjusting things. You're like, all right, I'm going to go tomorrow. It says it's only going to be like 68 at 5 a.m. And the humidity is only going to be like 78%. And so then you wake up, right? You wake up, it's like four in the morning. And all of a sudden, instead of being 68 and 70% humidity, it's 75 and like 90% humidity and weather. That's the thing about weather is it can change so quickly. And so as coaches, we put your paces into training peaks or the training that you're following on your training plan, any, any training plan you're following, it's based on being in a vacuum, right? It's based on perfect running conditions. It's based on this is your fitness, perfect running conditions. And so when you see your paces on a training plan or even our training plans that we assign to people, assume that that's going to be like 45, 50 degrees, perfect running weather. So when you wake up and it's 75, 90% humidity, you need to go into that thinking, all right, these are not ideal conditions, right? You have to make these adjustments for yourself. And we wish as coaches that we could be on it and like know how to adjust things every second of every day. But weather changes so quickly that it's literally impossible. I mean, even the weatherman gets the weather wrong, right? So I think that's why we're empowering our athletes to make these adjustments on the fly. So it's really important before you head out the door that you check and you know and understand, hey, it's hot out, first of all. Second of all, the dew point's high. Third, humidity is high. So you have to really understand how these are going to play a factor into your training and be empowered with that knowledge. Um, And I know we shared a graphic this week, or we're going to, and it talks about the pace adjustments in the heat. And so at 60 degrees, which most people think is like ideal running temperature, you're going to have a 1% effect, 5 to 10 seconds per mile. At 65 degrees, you're going to have a 2.5%. And that's going to be 10 to 15 seconds per mile. At 70 degrees, it's a 5% change in pace, which is 25 to 35 seconds per mile. And at 80 degrees, which a lot of our South runners are facing at 5 a.m., that's going to be a 10 to 15% impact, 45 to 60 seconds per mile. So that's like a minute per mile slower. So it's not that you're losing fitness. It's that the heat is affecting you. And so when you go out the door and you see, hey, it's 75 degrees, just expect that you're going to be 30 seconds per mile slower. And that should be like your baseline, right? So if it says, hey, mile repeats at seven-minute pace, you go, all right, mile repeats at seven-minute pace plus 30 seconds per mile. And that's where you should start. And hey, if you feel good at the end of your workout, pick up the pace by all means. Like if it's not feeling challenging enough, at the end of the workout, that's when you should pick it up. But you shouldn't go out there and think, okay, seven minute pace, coach says seven minute pace, 75 degrees, no excuses. That is not the mindset you wanna have, right? You wanna make sure you're making these adjustments. Otherwise, you're gonna end up probably crashing and burning workouts or racing your workouts, which is also bad. 
and getting burned out by the end of the season. We want you to feel really good after your workouts, feel strong at the end, finish that last rep as your fastest rep, and then say, you know what? It was hot out, but I still felt really strong. And that's the goal here is that you feel empowered. You know how these factors are impacting your workouts and you're able to make adjustments on the fly as needed when you step out the door. So Jason, do you ever recommend that athletes keep a log of, you know, the temperature that it was and how it affected their workout? Or how does one know? Because I know it's, it's so personal from person to person. Like Coach Ben, for example, I know he ran basically a marathon PR in like really bad conditions. And so it didn't really affect him as much as other people maybe had to like drop out of that race or they ran, you know, three minutes per mile slower than usual. How do you know that if it affects you more than others, what is a good way to figure that out? Um, yeah, obviously the, the number of years you've been training, um, is, is definitely a key indicator. And, you know, coach Ben, you know, I think he ran like 240 that day. He probably would have ran in the mid 230s for sure, had it been ideal conditions. Um, but someone that wasn't as fit as him, you know, it would have tacked on a lot more than just five to seven minutes on your marathon time. You know, it could be 20 minutes, could be 40 minutes. Um, and so it, it really just depends. And I think it, it boils down to um, the number of, you know, training cycles year after year that you've been doing, especially um, how long maybe the, the summer is or the, the period of, of warmer weather. Um, how consistent you are with your training too, because I know a lot of times, you know, if you're running three days a week, um, or maybe you're running on the treadmill a couple days and then you're going outside for certain workouts, um, you know, your body's maybe not getting as used to it. It's not able to adapt like it is for people that maybe run outside, you know, most days. And, um, those first few runs for sure, um, when the temperatures climb, um, are going to be difficult. Your body's going to need to, um, adjust and, um, but by late summer, hopefully, you know, if you've been doing like the workouts, like we've been talking here, you've been, you know, stressing the systems in the right way, but not overstressing them by pushing the pace too much, um, where you're able to finish workouts feeling like you can still do another rep, um, or like you're holding back a little bit on a tempo run. That's the key. And I think that that's going to make the runs feel a little bit more, um, doable and sustainable longer, you know, longer than, um, than just a month or two in the summer. Right. Yeah. Such a good point. And I think keeping a log, like I'm just such a data freak and a nerd, right? So I keep a training log, um, just a pen and paper one. Um, this is something you could do in training peaks or even on Strava is I will write down kind of how my paces were impacted and what the temperature, um, the time of day that I was doing it and the humidity. And that just gives me a gauge and a base because I know most of the time, you know, we're within 10 degrees, right? So most of our summer runs, if we leave at a consistent time every morning, are swaying between probably 68 and, you know, 78, right? That's in Minnesota. I know a lot of people listening are like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. But yeah, in Minnesota, it doesn't really get that hot. And then there's also that humidity factor. So some mornings it's only like 60% and other mornings it's 100%. So keeping that in mind and then knowing, okay, this is how it affected this workout. And then I can know by the end of summer, I just know without a shadow of a doubt, okay, this is going to be 15 seconds per mile. This is going to be 30 seconds per mile. 
And I think anyone who does that for an entire summer will really be empowered with that knowledge and understanding. And this is a really good time to, to start doing that, just to know how it affects your body and to be able to make those adjustments on the fly and be empowered by these things. So Jason, let's talk a little bit about the sun impact. So we talked a little bit about heat and humidity. Tell me a little bit about the sun and how that impacts training. Yeah, to me, the sun is probably the most detrimental factor in, in um, zapping the energy. Um, you know, I've done a few races where it's been hot but as it, or muggy, but if it's cloudy, um, you know, you're able, to str- you're able to get through it. But that sun, just for whatever reason, um, you know, the, the year I'm thinking of was Boston. I think it was 2015 or, yeah, 2015 maybe. It was super sunny. And it wasn't even, like, that hot. I think the temps were around 70. But... Um, I was cramping bad and I just realized that, um, you know, the sun is demanding so much more energy out of the muscles. And so, um, for me, you know, I, I, I needed to be taking in a lot more, um, calories and vitamins and minerals just to prevent the cramping, um, specifically like potassium and magnesium, um, and sodium. So, um, yeah, I mean the, the dew point and the humidity are, are definitely, um, you know, difficult factors, but, a lot of times if, if you're out there without much shade or no coverage on a course, you know, you want to be thinking about wearing the proper clothing, maybe having a hat to kind of cover up your face. Um, and the, anything you can do to put on sunscreen um, is going to help too. And that was one thing I forgot to do that day um, was, was apply sunscreen. Right. Yeah. So it's really good to avoid the peak sun hours. And that's going to be anywhere from, you know, 9.30, 10 a.m. all the way till probably like 4 or 5 p.m. So it's okay to run, you know, after that or before that. But if you're out there in that peak heat, it's just not good. Um, So I would recommend trails, like you said, um, and just staying hydrated, wearing a hat, wearing light colors, all of those things. Um, And then obviously either running really early in the morning or later in the day. The dew point is going to be similar to humidity, right? So it's measuring the amount of moisture in the air. And that's something that a lot of people should look at. So it's, it's a little bit harder. It's not quite on the weather app. Um, at least, yeah, I don't think so. I usually have to Google like what is a dew point in Minneapolis currently. Um, so wherever you live, that's maybe something to, to look into in addition to humidity. Um, so a dew point of less than 55 is like super comfortable, dry, whatever, usually between, uh, like 60 to 65, that's where it starts to feel a little sticky, but anything over 65, there is just a lot of moisture in the air and it's going to feel extremely uncomfortable. Um, it's harder to breathe when the dew point is high, right? So you're going to have to make adjustments there. Um, and that's hand in hand with humidity. So, uh, you know, if it's above, usually 85% humidity, it starts to impact you. Um, generally where we see athletes struggle is if it's above, you know, 65 and above 90% humidity, that is a, a point where people start to, to feel, um, the effects of the humidity. And it's really important to stay hydrated, get electrolytes, all of those good things. Um, you're going to want to drink 16 ounces of water before your run, um, like one to two hours before, and then obviously like six to eight ounces right before you head out the door. Um, During your training, if you're going to be running for longer than an hour, you're going to want to make sure that you're taking in 12 to 24 ounces of water 
every hour that you're exercising out there. Um, you can break this up into like four to eight ounces every 20 minutes. And it really just depends on your body weight um, and how much you're losing in sweat when you run. I know a couple summers ago we were doing this experiment on hydration and Coach Ben, um, he gosh, I think he's like 150, 160 pounds. And I said, yeah, you should go and weigh yourself after you go run. So he did about a 70 minute run outside in 70 degrees, you know, 90% humidity, um, just an easy effort run. And he lost five pounds in water (laughs) during that. And he is, you know, only 160 pounds. So, you know, if you think about how, how many ounces of water, five pounds is that's, that's a lot. So you want to make sure that you're, um, replenishing all of those things with, so that's like 16 ounces times five. I don't even know what that number would be, but that's, that's a lot. Um, I think it's 80 ounces. So that would be 80 ounces of water. (laughs) He somehow lost, um, while running. So keep in mind that this is going to dehydrate you more than you just doing a cold run, right? So in the winter, you're maybe not losing as much fluid. Maybe you're losing, you know, a little bit um, and you're still losing some, but you're not going to be losing quite as much. But this is why it's really important to rehydrate as soon as you get in. Just make it a habit to stay super hydrated in the summer um, and replenish everything. And that will help you feeling good. Cause if you're dehydrated, man, it's going to take a toll on your body. So Jason, do you have any sort of words of wisdom for athletes who are training right now or how to combat just feeling like you're losing fitness during this time of year? Um, yeah, I think, you know, it boils down to a couple of things. Number one, um, be flexible with your, with your training. So look, when you have your week schedule mapped out, um, you know, obviously you want to try to, you know, schedule maybe your workouts during the times where the weather's not going to be, you know, brutal. Um, so if it's going to be hotter one day than the next, maybe try to flip, flip flop the days. Um, the other thing would be just looking at routes, um, especially for long runs or just easy runs. Cause sometimes as as much as you can get in a shaded area, I think the better. Um, and time of day matters too. Um, but like you, you mentioned the the hydration part. Um, I would definitely be you know not be afraid of bringing extra fluids or planning a route where you're gonna have the opportunity to to stop a, a few times and um, maybe just allowing yourself a bit more time in the morning as well to hydrate beforehand. Um, those are some of the things that I would, you know, focus on as, as well as obviously not worrying so much about the watch, um, and just listening to my body. So going off effort, um, you know, thinking about easy runs, the effort level being like a four, four or five is fine. And then for, you know, tempo runs, I'm thinking like a seven. And then, um, you know, if you're doing speed work, obviously you can have it at an eight or nine, but you don't, you never want it to feel like you're running, um, you know, hundred percent effort, um, unless you're in a race environment. So, that's kind of how I approach um, the heat in summer. And, um, you know, it's okay every now and then to come inside if you have that access. You know, we've we've had 100-degree days here in Minnesota, and so we've opted for the treadmill. Um, you know, you're going to get more out of your run for that day, and then um, hopefully you'll, you'll recover quicker if you're not having to, you know, rehydrate um, from all that lost fluid. Absolutely, right? And I have no idea what it is like to train in the heat of a Texas or, you know, Miami, Florida summer. And I would definitely take advantage of the treadmill if you have it or access to the gym. 
um, because sometimes it's just the better option, right? I know we've vacationed in those places in our winter time. And even that is just, it's too much for me. Um, and speaking of, you know, using the treadmill in adverse conditions, it doesn't mean like you're a wimp, right? It just means you're doing the smarter thing, right? Sometimes there are a such thing as, you know, dangerous running conditions outside. Um, and we know that living in Minnesota, we have a stretch there in, you know, Jan and Feb usually where it's like negative 40 degree wind chills. And it's like, could you run outside? Y- yeah, you could, but are you even really getting like, like a, as good of a benefit as you would from an inside run, right? And so that's where you kind of have to like weigh the scales. Like, is the treadmill going to be a better option? Um, am I going to be able to have a more quality workout? Am I going to, you know, feel better about everything? Um, is it going to just take less time out of my day, right? So sometimes layering up and going out negative 40, it just is, it's so time consuming and it's miserable and you don't, you're not able to hit your paces at all. You can't even like attempt to even try an effort-based workout. Same goes for when it's really, really hot, right? If it's like a hundred degrees, it's like, you're just dripping sweat. It takes you hours to recover after you have to rehydrate so much it's like not even worth it then you go out there you do an effort-based workout you don't even feel like you're doing anything because it's like you're just trying not to melt right you're just existing in 100 degrees is hard so there is a time and place where it makes more sense to you know what I'm going to do this one inside especially if you can't get out there at like four in the morning when you know the ideal um, temperatures are so scoping out the weather making adjustments as needed But then understanding and knowing that there are benefits to training in the heat and running in the humidity all summer long, right? So it's not that you're suffering for nothing. What ends up happening is your body gets used to training in adverse conditions, right? So as a result, every time you're going out there, your body's like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And it's getting used to training in the heat. And so it starts to make adaptations because it thinks, okay, a new environment, I got to make it so that this person can cool down faster so that we can survive in this heat. Um, and so the first change that really happens is this usually takes about six weeks. So these changes, it takes a long time for it to happen. So if you're feeling like, okay, my body's not adapting, understand it can take you know, six weeks or longer for your body to become heat adapted. And if you take a week off and you go on the treadmill all all week, it can even take longer, right? So it's a a six-week process. Um, The first benefit you're going to get is increased blood plasma volume. So when the temperatures do drop, you will be fitter and faster because your body is better equipped with more blood plasma. And your body is just going to require less work to stay cool in those colder temperatures. So it can focus more of your energy on running and less energy on staying cool. Um, The next benefit that happens is increased rate of perspiration. Similar benefits there for when the temperatures drop. Um, And then that decreased blood lactate And of course, who could forget that it's building mental toughness, right? So working hard in unideal conditions will make you mentally stronger for race day. So when you're able to finally run in ideal conditions again, you're just going to be able to dig deeper into your mental well because you're going to say, wow, this feels so much better than in the summer. And you're going to be able to run at faster paces and just really dig a lot deeper because the effort that it requires to run in ideal conditions is just so easy compared to what you're used to, right? So there are so many positive benefits that are coming from all this training. And so if it feels really hard, if it feels impossible right now, um, just know that you're not alone and know that you are building benefits and you're making yourself stronger for the races that are coming this fall. 
but also know that you can still make adjustments to your plan, right? You can still say, Hey, um, I want to just do, you know, no runs over 60 or 90 minutes this summer. I want to focus more on speed work. Like last summer we had a 15 weeks of faster 5k program where we had a lot of athletes focus on the 5k and they were able to really still get all of these benefits of heat training, um, during the summer months. And then they did, you know, a longer distance race later in this, in the fall. So it's all about, you know, making sure you enjoy your training. So of course there are challenges that comes with marathon training always, but just know that you can still make adjustments to your plan and you can still opt for maybe a later in the fall race so that you can enjoy those fall running temperatures and make adjustments as you go. So Jason, do you have any advice for someone who maybe is questioning and second guessing how they should be training this summer? Um, because I know this can be something that people around this time of year start to like question their sanity um, and question if the race that they chose is right for them. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I would definitely just um, remind yourself um, that, you know, like all those benefits you just mentioned are great. And I think what we need to do is break it down one day at a time. And so if you can just survive, you know, that that single run or that single mile or whatever it is that you're, you know, you're doing that day, if you can just get through that workout or that run, you're going to be stronger as a result. And over time, you know, it is going to get easier. So just remind yourself, like, um, that running, you know, it's, it's like you're building blocks. Um, you're continuing your, your own foundation and, um, you know, get through your race. And then if you didn't, if you didn't like it, you know, you could pick a race at a different time frame or maybe a different distance just so that it's, it's slightly going to be a, a different type of training for you. Um, but it's also nice to try it again the next time around and, and try for that same distance. Cause then you have something to shoot for in terms of trying to measure your improvement. So, um, just be, be more focused on the effort based and less focused on the pace. And I think, um, you know, that, um, you'll get the results that you want over time. Yeah. Such good advice. And I think it's so individual to the person, right? So there might be a lot of things that are just going on in your head right now. And so many thoughts that you're having. And I think that's why working with a coach and being able to bounce ideas off of a coach who really understands and knows you is so important. And we actually do phone consultations for people who just want to bounce some ideas off of us, or maybe get some advice. Maybe you're just a little confused. Um, maybe you just want reassurance that, you know, you're not losing fitness and, we love to get to know you as an athlete and just chat about some of your goals. And if you, that's something that's interesting, that's something that you're interested in, we would love to hop on a phone call with you and just get to know a little bit more about your background and see if we can make, you know, some recommendations or whatnot for your training in the future and scheduling up your races, because sometimes that is something that people struggle with is figuring out when should I be racing? When is the ideal time for me? What works best? What's the best race to do? Um, and we can also help with a training plan and we do a one week trial for anyone who's interested. There are absolutely no strings attached with the phone consultation or with the trial. So if that's something that you're interested in and you just want to chat with a coach, you can visit our website at www.runforprs.com and fill out the form on our website. And we would love to get to know a little bit about you and start chatting right away. So thanks for tuning in.